This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, the cost of housing seems to go only one way, up. But this is far from just a Denver issue. It's happening all over the state. And Governor Jared Polis has finally taken notice. So what is our nerdy governor with a libertarian streak actually going to do about it? Colorado Public Radio politics reporter Andy Kenny is here to take us inside Polis's mind and explain how the governor is going to tackle the housing issue this year. Today is Monday, January 30th. I'm Paul Caroli in for Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Andy Kenny, welcome to CityCast Denver. Hello, thanks for having me. So Andy, you cover Governor Polis and you've reported on housing in Denver and across the state. Now Polis says the housing issue is one of his big priorities. Take me inside his mind. What's he thinking? Yeah, it's a funny thing because you didn't hear about this much on the campaign. You heard him talk about saving people money, but not necessarily on housing. But I asked him about this, I think it was in September, and he suddenly like just spilled forth with how much of a big priority housing was going to be for him if he was reelected. And of course, he was reelected. Then you had the state of the state, and I counted in the script that he had sent out, and he, I think he said it 37 times, the word housing. Yeah, it was definitely more than any other issue. It seems like this is the thing that's on his mind. Yet for us here in Denver, housing has been a big issue for a long time. Mm -hmm. I wonder why, why you think he's coming to it now? Well, for state lawmakers in general, it's been a slow burn. You know, up until 10 years ago, they hardly did anything on housing. They never spent more than even a few million dollars a year on affordable housing, which is pennies comparatively. And I think that for Polis, it's kind of a perfect opportunity. I think he uh, will get more into like what he actually wants to do, but he sees that as a marquee issue. It obviously is a, a crisis. It remains extremely expensive to find housing in Colorado. And he sees a couple ways to use his leverage and get something done on this. And he has strong beliefs about what he wants to get done. Yeah, let's get right into it. So I have a clip here from the state of the state speech mm -hmm. that'll help us understand his his ideology, what he actually believes when it comes to housing. Um, so I'm just going to play this clip and then we'll hear your thoughts. But we can't just buy our way out of this. We have to break down government barriers, expand private property rights, and reduce regulations to actually construct more housing, to provide housing options at a lower cost so that all Coloradans can thrive. Let me be clear. Housing policy is climate policy. Housing policy is transportation policy. Housing policy is economic policy. Housing policy is water policy. And housing pol policy is public health and equity policy. So what do you make of that? 
was waiting for like an Avengers reference or something. Like all the policies are going to come together and do battle. <laughs> but the big thing I heard of was the not going to buy our way out of this. That's the key. Mm. And that's what he's been saying for at least a few months is he's not that interested in, you know, raising more money, raising hundreds of millions of dollars to spend on affordable housing. He is a supply sider. He wants to, one way or another, he doesn't care if it's the government, doesn't care if it's private industry, he wants more housing to get built, period. And that's kind of a controversial stance. Yeah, can you explain that? What does that mean? Like, what what, what do you mean by supply cider? How does that play into this? You might know it better as a Yimby, a yes in my backyarder. Okay. And the idea is that, look, like housing is a really tough industry. It's tough to build houses. It's extremely vulnerable to economic ups and downs. When we had the Great Recession, it just killed the whole industry. Housing production dropped off a cliff. We stopped really building, especially, I believe, apartments and multifamily in any real way for a few years. We're just now recovering from that, uh, unfortunately, like 10, 11 years later. And so this school of thought says that we need to do everything we can to make it easier to build housing and they believe that the number one obstacle to building housing is that every single city and county has their own set of rules. You never know quite what you're going to expect. Half the time you have to go through city council, a million angry neighbors are going to show up because they don't want you to build an apartment next to their house. Uh, there's a lot of distrust of developers, often earned, sometimes not. And so Polis and others want to standardize how you build housing and make it just easier to do, make a, a set of rules that's more permissive that's going to inspire developers to go out and build God knows how many apartments. Interesting. And condos and houses. Interesting. So he sees this as an opportunity for the state to come in and sort of maybe create a more fertile ground for, for development. Mm-hmm. How do you do that though? Do you just say like no more regulations, local municipalities, or do you, you work with companies or what is he talking about? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, the whole concept of zoning and all these rules like it only goes back from what I've heard a hundred years or so. I don't, don't quote me exactly on that, but what he wants to do is not to get rid of the regulation altogether, but he wants cities to just make it easier and to make allowances to let builders build more and build more quickly and have less kind of less bespoke review. I mean, there's got to be a simpler way to say that to have less like piece by piece review where you never know if you're going to get approved for a project or not. And he could do that a few ways. Uh, we've seen examples from other states already of ways that they're trying to do that. Tell me about that. Do we know specifics? Yeah, um, we know that there's some interest. We don't know what he wants to do yet. He hasn't laid out a firm plan. It'll probably be weeks before we get bills introduced. Mm-hmm. But one thing he could do is try to do a mass upzoning, they call it, and say that, hey, this is just a hypothetical, but like wherever you can build a single family home right now, boom, you can cut that lot in half and build homes on both parcels. Or maybe wherever you can build single family, we're going to let you build a duplex now across the whole state. Wow, that would be a huge change. That would be huge. And maybe they put you know more conditions on it. Maybe it's only in cities of a certain size. It wouldn't just be like a big physical change. It'd also be like a big challenge to the power of the cities because those are the, the ones right now who get to decide where you can build single family duplex apartments. The cities would not be happy for the most part to hear Polis do something like that. 
Okay, so let's get into the politics of this a little bit. The cities maybe will be pushing back. What about Republicans? Mm -hmm. What about other Democrats? What do you think are the real prospects for change here? Boy, it's a mixed bag. And it's why it's an interesting issue is it crosses lines where, you know, in, in years past, we've actually seen pretty progressive Democrats like Senator Julie Gonzalez team up with Republicans on these kind of deregulatory drives because, you know, a lot of Democrats are interested in housing prices and, and some of them are starting to buy into this kind of philosophy. Republicans, at least philosophically, aren't supposed to love regulation. So you see them team up. But then you also see bipartisan resistance where plenty of Republicans went and chose to live in subdivisions and single family homes and don't want the city coming to them and don't want changes as a natural human reaction. A lot of liberals in Denver are very distrustful, have seen a lot of development and apartments built in this city and haven't seen affordability come with it. So they're skeptical of the supply argument. So bipartisan opposition, bipartisan support. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. We're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. So there's one piece of that clip that I played for you earlier that I want to ask about specifically. Mm -hmm. And that's when he says housing policy is transportation policy. Mm. Now, I know that a big part of this whole YIMBY philosophy is transit-oriented development. It's like mm. building more transportation options, building closer to transit so people don't have to have a car. So you can have more density. Yet in the past, we know that Polis has not been the best friend to RTD. He has not prioritized funding for, for our transit provider here in Denver. Mm. So what is he thinking here? What is his version of housing policy as transportation policy? I think that his qualms with RTD have more to do with how RTD is run and the failure to deliver on the beloved train to Boulder that's never happened and may never will. Sure. He still wants to see, you know, he'll he'll say it ad nauseum, dense development along transit lines. He sees that as being eco-friendly and, you know, being able to put a ton of people near a transit line that they're going to use. That would be the opposite, actually, of what RTD has done, which is build a bunch of train lines to places where people don't live. So he wants to encourage a development pattern that actually makes transit work, theoretically. But there's no talk about 
funding for RTD or reforms to RTD. He hasn't said anything like that. Yeah, you know, he's, I think he would say that they passed that big transportation funding package, which had some amount of transit funding in it. Um, I don't know about beefing up RTD in particular. Hmm. Interesting. So give me a prediction. What What's one thing that you think actually might come of this this year? I think that for sure we see the state starting to use incentives, offering money and grants. They've already done this and support for cities that want to do this, that want to encourage more development and density. Question is, how far do they go in making cities do stuff like that? And I think he actually is spoiling a little bit for that fight. Like he's said stuff like housing is a statewide concern, which means nothing to most people, but to those of us nerds who follow this stuff, like that's, that's like a coded speak to say like, Hey, this is not just your issue to decide cities. We're going to come in there and we're going to use our state power, our statewide concern power to make some changes here and you can deal with it. Hmm. That's how I hear it anyway. So there's certain topics that Polis just like, he just loves, like, this is just something about Polis. He is an obsessive. Like, I think crypto is one of these things for him where he just loves thinking about it, loves talking about it, brings it into his work sometimes whenever he can. Do you think housing is an obsession for him or is it just a convenient political issue right now? I think that if it was just a convenient political issue, he would have been talking about it during the election. But instead, we see that he didn't really mention it during the, during the election, except when asked directly, and that now that he's just beginning a new term in power, now he's making it this big issue, which says to me he intends to get something done on it. And if you want, I could name a few reasons why I think that is. Go ahead. Uh, you've seen him in the past focus on cost, cost of living. It wasn't just this campaign. He worked on healthcare stuff. Um, that comes to mind, first of all. Mm-hmm. So he he sees a serious issue with the cost of living and wants to address it. He likes market-based solutions. I refuse to say libertarian streak about him because it's been said so many times. But uh, but it's there. He, he likes to do things where you can try to force the private market to solve problems. You saw him do that with healthcare. Where, you know, all these regulations forcing healthcare companies to do certain things. Uh, he wants to see if he can unleash, quote-unquote, private market here to build more housing. Um, It's also a signature issue. I think that it's one of the top polling issues of across parties, what people think is wrong with Colorado's, how much it costs to live here. Yeah, Uh, He's right. I'll give him this. He's right on the fact that it touches everything. If you don't have affordable housing, you can't have people living in a city. City doesn't work. People leave. People Mm -hmm. leave the state. People are leaving the state. We know it's not something that's going to be solved anytime soon because we have, a, as an economist once told me, an infinite reservoir of Californians where it's even more expensive waiting to move here <laughs> and take up our housing. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, this Yimby stuff is rising. It's a rising political force. He identifies with it and he just sees a, a chance to use some leverage and get something done. Oh, and the last thing is that they don't have a ton of money, like extra money to spend on other stuff. So I don't think there's, besides guns, another issue that's going to really dominate their time. So if he can use this year on this massive political fight that doesn't require spending a lot of government funding, I think he's going to do it. All right. Well, Andy, Kenny, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Paul.
And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The cold. It was super cold yesterday. It's super cold today. Tomorrow, we should be back up to the balmy mid-30s. And also, the 16th Street Mall. Last summer, the Downtown Denver Partnership offered free rent on five vacant retail locations to local businesses looking to open a brick-and-mortar shop. But according to the Denver Business Journal, the effort to liven up the mall has yielded mixed results. Two of the businesses selected closed down after their three-month free rent trial was over. They cited low foot traffic and lack of sufficient security. One isn't so much a shop as a window display. One is yet to open, according to the program's website. And the one that seemed most successful, a tea shop in the old Starbucks space at 16th and California, closed just a couple of weeks ago. The owners, Taylor and Roderick O. Doricio, say they did good business when big events and conventions were in town, but that crime and safety concerns made running their cafe profitably impossible. There is good news for fans of Tea with Tay. The O. Doricios are still running their online tea shop with special offers coming up for Valentine's Day. And finally, Colorado officially has a sixth minor political party. The No Labels Party submitted sufficient signatures in January, which means they can now nominate candidates for office in general elections, instead of having the candidates petition to get on the ballot. According to their website, the No Labels Party is committed to common-sense solutions and, quote, the fundamental beliefs that have historically united Americans and provided a common understanding of who we are and where we hope to go. And that's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell No Labels Party co-chair Roger Hudson about us. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. And quote, the fundamental beliefs that have historically united Americans and provided a common understanding of who we are and where we hope to go. Bland, but it sounds great. <laughs>